Welcome back uh, to the Yahoo Fantasy Hoops podcast. It's not just any podcast. It is a very special collector's edition, all-star version of the Yahoo Hoops Fantasy Podcast. I'm super excited about it. Uh, I'm Andy Barron's coming to you from Chicago, home of this year's all-star game. I'm going to just about everything at the United Center. I've mortgaged house and home, and uh, I've pulled in every favor I possibly can to get myself in for uh, pretty much all the big events. I'm super excited about it. Um, I'm joined, as always, by Dalton Del Don. Dalton, what's up? How you doing? Are you as geeked for All-Star Weekend as I am? Probably no. I'm ex- I'm excited, but let's not kid ourselves. Andy Barron's author of The Fast and the Furriest, is definitely <laughs> sitting courtside. Come on, Andy. Come on. Way to help me sell books. Way to help me sell books. I appreciate sure. it. I didn't bring up sex drive. I brought up the, the you know, come on, the, the, the Fast and the Furriest. You Obviously, gotta, gotta, they uh, obviously I was asked to participate in the in the celebrity game, you know, a, a, yeah. a celeb of my stature. No, it's not going to happen. I don't I don't do I, don't, I really don't do anything without an appearance fee. That's fair. But you are checking out all the events. So good. I mean, it's in your city. So you are going to go do the whole thing. Uh, I'm, I'm so excited about it. I've you know, I've been a season ticket holder for a really long time. And the team has always warned us, you know, they send out these surveys every year and they're like, you know, how do you feel about bringing the All-Star game to Chicago? Knowing that there's almost no chance you'll have any shot at tickets. Like they always remind you of that. Like the Bulls have been kind of stiff arming this thing for a while because I think they've probably viewed it as just an opportunity to have poor relations with ticket holders, right? Because the between the league and corporate sponsors, they obviously, they snatch up a lot of the seats and they can't offer that many uh, to be, you know. I know people who've had like 100 level like pretty close pretty good seats for a long time that uh that were still shut out of the process and and paying you know market price which is not a pretty price to get in the building anyway i like i don't care i've been in a way saving for this for like a decade i'm super excited about it i love nba all-star weekend love everything about it so yeah i'm in I know how you feel. I was not I was not outside of the parking lot in the NFC championship game when I got an email saying I lost the lottery for Super Bowl tickets as a season ticket holder for the 49ers. Literally in the parking lot, we got emails saying, no, you don't you do not get a chance to buy the Super Bowl tickets. And every single person I know got yeah. that same email. So anyway, so you're there. You're, you're close. You're going to go and you'll you'll pay through the roof. But uh, that'll be fun. So uh, what, are you, what are you most looking forward to? The yeah, Saturday I'm, night is pretty fun, right? I mean, those, I mean, I know the events can get tedious and all that, but I mean, it's still fun. It'll be Cool, cool to see live. I gotta say, I don't. I'm not totally sure how my wife feels about spending Valentine's Day at the United Center. Maybe not great about it, but I'm super excited for the Rising Stars game. Like, <laughs> for sure, okay. Th- like, it's a good field, right? Um, Luca's in there. Obviously, Zion's in there. Ja, I believe Trey Young is in the field. Like, it's an incredible field for that game. That's like a, that's like a All Star level game unto itself. So I'm pretty excited about that right off the bat. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. It's gonna be cool. How do you? By the way, um, a, a topic that uh, we we were kind of introducing a little bit off pod how do you feel about vince carter not getting the legends invitation a la you know Dwayne wade and dirk Nowitzki? i mean i like i accept that his career is not quite at the stature of of either wade or dirk you know we're talking like finals winners finals mvps uh, central characters in the league's history but like how many players are more synonymous with All-Star Weekend than Vince Carter? Oh, yeah, for sure. The slam dunk. Yeah, I think he's the king of the slam dunker right now, of this generation at least. And the longevity is so impressive. I mean, 
He was traded on draft day straight up for Antoine Jameson, who feels like he's been out of the league for a decade. <laughs> I mean, it's it's crazy. I yeah. mean, it's, it's nuts. So, yeah, definitely a legend. But, yeah, for sure, right now it'd be very fitting during the slam dunk time. Yeah, 20-plus 20, 20 year career. He's averaged 20 points per game. He's one of the very few players in NBA history with over 25,000 points per game. So, like... A bit of a legend. I don't know whether it's uh, whether it's the Major League Baseball All Star Game or the NBA. I'm like, if there's a retiring all time great, I'm I'm just all for getting them there, no matter no matter how they're playing in the current season. Yeah, I, I remember. I was like a freshman in college, and what did he like fly back to go to get to graduate or something? And, and then he missed a game, potential game winner in a playoff game in the same oh, right. day or something. Right. Remember that? That was crazy. But yeah, what an awesome career! I mean, that's that's a long time ago. So he's been around forever. Really, really impressive for a guy who transformed his game. You know, all athleticism. We're talking about the dunk yeah. contest. Well, now I'm into shooting and, and everything. It's really impressive career. Yeah, came up in kind of the hero ball era um, and is now like now now he's like a situational three point shooter, right? Mm, like yeah. crazy career. I feel like guys who who do this and I have a I, I just have a ton of respect for pro athletes who just follow the full arc of a career. Right. Um, and it's it's almost like maybe Tom Brady is going through it right now. Right. Where you're just you just play until you can't play anymore. Like it's the yeah. Moses Malone thing to do. But it definitely impacts the way these guys are perceived historically you know i think i think it's hurt the way that moses malone is viewed who was just an absolutely dominant mvp level player for a few years and i think i think it's probably going to hurt the way vince carter is viewed ultimately anyway i just think it's a shame he's not gonna be there for sure agreed and i don't mind it either yeah play i mean why not if you can make it to the highest level play until they kick you out yeah okay so we agree there we got to get into our starting five which is which is a little bit I don't know. I, I was hoping for a lighthearted starting five going into All-Star Weekend. We're going to have some time off here. I was hoping that it, that it would we would have to not deal with issues of consequence. But that is not the case because we have uh, we have injured stars. We have we have multiple guys who just like in the day before, like a uh, final game before the break, either get hurt or have to sit out. So I want to start with maybe one of the maybe the most disturbing of all the injuries. And that's uh, it's Damian Lillard, who had been as hot as just anyone in, in the league uh, over the last, I don't know, two, three weeks. He's been playing fantastic ball, first round value, no question about it. He has a groin injury we don't yet know exactly how severe this is going to be but he had to immediately back out of uh, all all all-star festivities he's headed for an mri we know that um his production is at a level that is just impossible to replace there's no way the blazers can i mean there's not like some guy who slides in and scores you know 30 points per game with eight assists per game and four threes per game and the ridiculous numbers that lillard was putting up um they just lost to memphis too. portland just lost to memphis in a huge swing game it gives memphis i believe a, a a four game edge for the for the eighth seed five games in the uh, in the loss column, which is just a ton to overcome, especially if Lillard misses any time. So I don't know. What are you, what are your what are your fears and thoughts on possibility of a short or even long term absence from Lillard? Yeah, tough blow to fantasy owners like myself, my home league. I have Damian Lillard. He's been a monster that after that historic stretch, uh, he's pretty much averaging career highs across the board, including, I think, low in turnover rate, too. So just been fantastic. CJ McCollum sees a usage rate increase from 25 percent to 30 two percent mellow from 22 to 28 when Lillard's off the court so those would be the beneficiaries and then 
couldn't really come up with a pickup. Gary Trent Jr. played well yeah. for a while, but uh, I think Anthony Simons may be the primary beneficiary um, if minutes-wise. So keep those guys on your radar depending on the depth of your league. But yeah, total bummer. I mean, Lillard had been one of the five best fantasy assets this season. I agree with you, particularly on Simons coming off a 22-point game, and he's really flashed a few times this season. You just know that Melo is going to chase shots after this, right? Like he's going he's gonna to have a bunch of potentially inefficient 18 to 24 point games. I hope they can stay in it because the playoffs are just a little bit more fun with with Lillard and the Blazers, at least in the conversation. Uh, Nurkic is at a setback, by the way, something and and Whiteside just continue to be a monster. Like we preached on this pod, just 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 keep hang on for the ride, man. He just continues to dominate. Agree with that. Good for man. Good for Memphis for putting themselves in this position, by the way. I know there was like a bit of a messy breakup with uh, Iguodala, but they man, they go into the break again, a four game advantage, five in the loss column over Portland. Super exciting young team. That's really cool to see. I I have not seen Memphis play yet this year, uh, and just really excited to see uh, Jaron Jackson and uh, and Ja in the uh, in the Rising Stars game. That's going to be cool. Um, another injury that has the potential to upset some fantasy seasons is going to be topic number two, and that's Carl Anthony Towns, a left wrist injury, uh, kind of unknown severity here. Also, I believe he's already had the MRI, but hasn't given us much of anything by by way of information. It, just a killer if he misses any time. Obviously, it was brutal for the team when he was out earlier this year who's the ad we we have james johnson who's recently come over from from miami via that like sort of wheel play of a uh, of a series of trades james johnson had a really interesting line the other night i think it was five 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 three steals three blocks interesting player not going to put up huge point totals i don't know who you like here carl anthony towns we don't know as we record this it's not the the knee um hopefully it's uh yeah the wrist we're not sure but gorgie jang you know i hold on to him and y'all friends and family for most of the year and him waiting him for this and now he's not on the team anymore to benefit for for, for this but and then uh, amari spellman who they did trade for sounds like he's a buyout candidate so you mentioned james johnson definitely depends on your league but also nas reed has put up top 10 fantasy numbers of the last two weeks and top 35 on the season on per 36 minutes so I think he actually has more upside even though he didn't immediately see the minutes boost like James Johnson did and then there's also Juan Hernan Gomez um you know, if you're in a deeper league, but the shooting percentages could be a problem there. But what about D'Lo, man? The usage rate, I looked up without Cat on the floor, very small sample, but 32%, which is about where he was at with Golden State, which is a very good thing, like top 10 in the league. So he's a monster. And I'm sure everyone put him in the DFS lineups the second they heard Cat was out, out and he had put up a big line. So definitely benefits him as well. Yeah, he's obviously likely to to score at will. Just a remade Timberwolves team following the trade deadline. Jarrett Culver's been mostly a bust, right? It, like it seemed like he was falling into some minutes for a while there, but uh, super yes, quiet. You, yeah. Super quiet lately, hardly worth owning. Not that anybody, I mean, you'd have to be a deadbeat team at this point to be hanging on to Culver. Not really worth owning, but Beasley has been has been pretty good. Oh, getting plenty of shots yeah. there. Yeah, we called to pick him up and he's been an absolute monster. He's another beneficiary for sure, hitting so many threes. I think he had seven threes in the first three quarters the other night. So he's been fantastic. He he should be on any competitive league. He should be on all, all rosters at this point, but he benefits as well. But yeah, no, sadly, as a Warriors fan, I'm like uh now at this point, I'm like, hopefully, hopefully Culver was a bust, you know, because next year I want the next couple years with their draft pick. I'm hoping Minnesota doesn't isn't winning a bunch of games. But obviously not town the town's injury. Hopefully it's just, you know, the the break coming up and they they definitely will want to play him to see you know to get some 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 reps with him and russell but um yeah that's obviously an injury at this point you just have to wait and see we're actually we're going to talk about your warriors in a second but i want to hit one more injury first and this is a case where 
I think we probably have to worry about the player getting shut down at some point. Um, Kevin Love missed Cleveland's final game before the break. Achilles soreness, which is obviously a terrible thing to hear, right? That would be a devastating injury. Any soreness at all in that part of the body, right? For on a team that's really going nowhere, the player has to sit. So Love was out and it briefly, you know, made uh, uh, Larry Nance relevant again. Tristan Thompson had a big game without him. Thompson, 27 points, I believe three triples in that game. Nance had a big line. Drummond is going to do Drummond things. What's your level of anxiety about Kevin Love right now? Uh, yeah, my take is nothing super actionable right now. I think Thompson benefited from Drummond also being in early foul trouble, and he had been falling off. It's such a crowded front court. I expect Love to return after the All-Star break, um, but he'll probably suffer another injury or be shut down for whatever reason, and this reveals just the upside that Nance has. I mean, we see it. He's yeah. a monster when he gets this opportunity. I mean, he is just an absolute monster on a per-minute per basis, so he should be stashed in all competitive leagues. Um, uh, 63% owned in Yahoo now, so they're still out there in some, so you could go stash him. But my guess is when the All-Star break comes back, it goes back to guys like Nance and, and Thompson not being playable right away. But eventually, when, when, when Love goes down, Nance will be an absolute monster down the stretch. This is really a tough one because, I, I mean, I thought Nance was just a, a straight drop after the trade deadline. I thought I saw, I thought basically yeah, the same of Thompson. And now all of a sudden, they're kind of sort of relevant again. It sure seems at least all the reporting around Thompson's situation suggests that he's not going to get bought out, which is a bit of a bummer, right? Because he would have been a strong candidate to move to whether it's whether it's the Lakers, one of the LA teams, one of the one of the, you know, more competitive title contending teams. Doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Seems like he's going to stay in Cleveland and be a bit of a fantasy roller coaster depending on Love's health. That's an annoying situation. But yeah, Achilles soreness is definitely something. It's an eye opener more than just, you know, load management or something. But yeah, I, it would yeah. be a shocker if Love isn't eventually shut down prematurely. I hear you there. Like, I don't know if I if I had him, I would uh, I would almost throw him into trades as a sweetener like i, I just don't want to like i just don't want to any part of the kevin love experience for the rest of the season i don't think all right topic number four because how can we not discuss the new look warriors steph curry by the way has ramped things up he's playing five on zero at least right now there was uh there was talk you know maybe a month ago that he could be back by march 1st that doesn't seem unrealistic, right? That date is right around the corner. I believe they host Washington on the first, and that seems like a, a plausible date for him to come back. But when he returns, I mean, this is Andrew Wiggins' team, right? Like, Curry's got to fit in around the new superstar. Yeah, we're really burying the lead. Curry's old news. <laughs> um so, so Barons, uh, only 10 players in NBA history have scored 8,700 points before turning age 25. And Sir, <laughs> Sir Andrew Wiggins is one of them. And the other nine are all Hall of Famers or surefire, a well, well on their way Hall of Famers. I should say all 10 of them now that Wiggins is in this situation. Um, I mean, the fit here is so much better. Wings are hard to come by and so valuable. I mean, Kerr's already said it. He's just put Wiggins on the opponent's best player both games. They've been Booker, LeBron. He's played good defense. Watch the game. Watch the tape. He's playing strong defense. Um, Man, I looked into this. I've, I've heard some blame of his defense has been lack of communication with Carl Anthony Towns. So a quick search on the internet will show Towns ranking last among 65 centers in defensive real plus minus numbers. So we can just brush off the defensive things. Look at this athletic Wiggins and, and, and the potential is there. His, his percentages are strong on spot up shooting numbers. Uh, if you see yeah. Harrison Barnes wide open back in the day, it might benefit with the shooters, Clay and Steph. Such a good cutter, which they never use there. The fast break It's important to get him with these 30 game audition, too, because it's weird playing with essentially a power forward. It's a point guard like Draymond. But 
Yeah, if you, if you haven't noticed by now, I'm I'm pumped. I'm all into the Wiggins <laughs> era. I'm just upset that the, I can't get his jersey online yet. I mean, the T-Wolves were better with him on the court than off every season. They're going to be laughable defensively with D'Lo yeah. and Cat. And, uh, you know, they're the only first-rounder traded at the deadline, by the way, is lightly protected. So, so yeah, I'm in. Uh, Wiggins has been the number 13 fantasy player, too, over three games with the Dubs. Is it possible that the jersey is available and it's just selling out everywhere constantly? That could be it. That could be it. That might be the problem. I'm going to have to check right after this. You, yeah, I mean, you, must, be, you must be seeing them on the streets, right? Uh, that's the problem. I think they just can't stock these soon. And speaking of stock, stocks, 2.3 steals, 1.7 blocks per game. Wiggins, the defense he's getting unleashed. He just needed the right environment. Light years ahead, Barons. Light years ahead. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta say, if he can be even uh, any sort of slightly more efficient version of himself, he, he's, he's obviously positionally for no other reason he's a better fit than than D'Angelo Russell was there long term. Obviously, alongside Curry and with the style of play, the Warriors, of course, want to play. So that right there makes sense. And then if this, like, if the first rounder that accompanied him also becomes a thing. This could be just a filthy steal of a trade. Yeah, I'm talking myself into Steph, Clay, Wiggins, Dre, and James Weissman at the five. Um, yeah, and then, <laughs> and then a top, and then a top five pick the next year too, right? Yeah, Marquise Chris, by the way, you know, no, all joking aside, um, fantasy wise, he looks like the real deal. He looks more comfortable after turning his two way contract into a two way deal. The last two games, he looks far more comfortable, and we've all seen the upside form of lottery pick and all that, but he should be long gone in fantasy leagues, and he he looks legit. I believe he's been the number 16 fantasy player over that same three-game stretch. And, and it, Damian it feels, Lee, another it beneficiary. It feels like weirdly consistent lately, too. It feels like, yeah. you know, it's not quite the roller coaster that you might expect from Chris. Yeah, he'll get the occasional foul trouble and be knucklehead player or whatever, but yeah, no, he, he's definitely uh, living up to the, the past potential. And Damian Lee, the other Warriors guy who has been the popular ad this week because of, you know, obviously with the trades and whatnot, all the guys they, they've dealt away. Reason for worry with the Curry return about Lee's value long term? Lee's just for the in-between. Yeah, I don't think Clay's going to return this year, but when Curry does, Lee will probably lose value. Yeah, but just this is just uh, for the next whatever it is, few weeks. But, um, um, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't we, get, didn't we get kind of a semi-encouraging note on Clay Thompson's potential availability late? That they kind of teased us a little bit. Yeah. Obviously, they're going to be, you know, with Curry and Clay having missed so much of the season, they're not going to be they're not going to be in. In it playoff wise so there's not going to be any glaring reason other than like a proof of concept appearance basically for for clay to come back i wouldn't think yeah clay's taking a lot a lot of footage of him shooting jumpers and he's just a maniac workout guy he'll want to play no matter what i mean he might just be forced his way on the court i could see that there's just some athletes like that but madison bumgarner is another guy who just refused to sit out into seasons um yeah but I would be, I don't know. I think they should play cautious. That's one thing with Curry. Oh, maybe they just want to see all the pieces fit. Maybe they do. Just an audition yeah. with Wiggins. But coming off the knee surgery, to me, I would be surprised if they play him. Yeah, I did. Uh, I think it was in the Friends and Family League. I stashed him somewhere where I've got an IR spot available. But I'm not, I'm not overly optimistic that anything's going to happen there. If you have, if you have the room, it's, it's, it makes sense. But uh, yeah, Andrew Wiggins. Uh, I know there's been this problem called consistency with him. So, uh, and maybe, <laughs> so I get still, whatever. Young guy. It's been fun early on. And he's uh, real quiet, too. Um, we'll see. What if the light bulb does go on defensively? I mean, the athleticism and the build, I mean, theoretically, it's there. So I just want to say, just to, to reset, probably right around the 15-minute mark of this podcast, Dalton Del Don boldly declared that Andrew Wiggins was a lock, essentially a lock for the Basketball Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame, yes, that's exactly right. Former number one overall pick for a reason, Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> yes, he's bound. Okay. Hall of Fame bound. Noted, going to hold you to it. He's basically in. Okay, got it. Check. Topic number five that I want to hit before we get into some other nonsense. Um, we got to talk about the Sixers a little bit. 
because Al Horford has moved to that. Like, I've been this close to dropping Al Horford a couple times this year that the fantasy lines have not been spectacular. It's a, it's a lot of single-digit scoring and enough rebounds to keep you interested, but not enough to actually help you in any given head-to-head week or anything like that. Horford moves to the bench. He's probably not going to sacrifice many minutes. It, do, it doesn't seem like he did the other night. I think he still played 28 minutes off the bench. But we have kind of a new-look Sixers team here. Furkan Korkmaz got the start the other night after, I think he scored 65 across two back-to-back games. But then he just completely busted as as a starter. Who should we like here between Korkmaz and Glenn Robinson the third? They got uh, they got Alec Burks. They got they got Tybal. Like how many of these guys are really going to be relevant? I think the answer is none of the above. I mean, Korkmaz went crazy a couple games, but that I don't think that's going to last. And yeah, the crowded Robinson, Burks, Thibel. I I don't think any of them are must ads. It's helped Josh Richardson's back in the starting five. His usage rate goes up when Horford's off yeah. the court. He benefits. Ben Simmons has been putting up big lines. But yeah, I I hear you. Horford in the right league is actually a drop candidate. Frustrating. I think he'll still be valuable enough, like a top one hundred guy off the bench. But yeah, frustrating situation. And if you're a Sixers fan, I mean, Embiid is flirting, you know, with joining the Heat uh, on social media. So How about yeah, it? I'd be I'd be frustrated. But but fantasy terms, I don't. I wish I had an answer for. I, I think the answer is none of the above, unfortunately, as far as rushing to the waiver wire to benefit from this. Yeah, I can tell you that Horford, I think the leagues in which I own him are are like sort of weekly head to head leagues. And there's just no way I'm going to play him unless it's a four game week. No, yeah, it's come to that. I've got no, no argument here. Let's talk maybe about a couple of other teams that remade themselves a little bit at the trade deadline. Weird, like as I look back on it, by the way, kind of a weird trade deadline in that I guess the Clippers added Morris and that's something. But the teams at the very top of the league in a in a wide open field for the title this year didn't do anything. It was a it was a really active trade deadline, but, you know, not so much for the Lakers, not so much for the Bucks. Just kind of kind of funky in that regard. Houston, however, has reinvented itself as just a, an absolutely ridiculous team. Like uh, height wise, they're like a rec league team, right? Nobody. I mean, they're only playing like seven or eight guys. Nobody is taller than six, seven. They range from six, three to six, seven, which is just not a thing that you would think you would see in the modern NBA or the NBA of any era, right? Like you could, you could plug this team into like the mid sixties and they would probably look a little small, but it, it's kind of worked. Like it hasn't been bad. Russell Westbrook is on fire and Russell Westbrook has chased himself off the three point line a little bit, right? Like he's not jacking a bunch of threes. I don't know. What are, what are your thoughts on Houston so far? Who are the beneficiaries? Is there anybody there we want to add? Yeah. So other than the Warriors trading, you know, stealthily dynasty 2.0, you mean, the trade deadline was quiet <laughs> but yes this this small ball lineup has definitely been fun to watch I think they became the first team ever to win four straight games while getting out rebounded by double digits and in, in every one of them I don't know how it's going to work in the postseason I actually don't think it's going to work at all yeah. but a few things I just uh did a stock uh stock watch video and my first stock up was Covington man I think he's a top 15 type fantasy upside in uh in category league specifically with yeah. his new setup i mean he was just the minutes he should have been higher minutes in minnesota and he was a shutdown risk there on that team he actually started at least they listed him at center the last game so he's putting up good numbers the stocks are always there with him so he's but russell westbrook you mentioned it averaging like 34 7 and 6 the last five games this style is just so good for him they just clear out double hardened yeah. and no bigs down there it's just perfect for him so fantasy wise video game wise it's it's certainly fun to watch daniel house has had a couple of games too and like somebody's got to get the uncontested rebounds for the rockets too right and like yeah. house has had some games there he's coming off a game with with uh nine boards pj tucker 
Spurs had a, a couple of interesting rebounding efforts, not so much uh, in terms of scoring. But I think House could be interesting. You, I'm looking at his last two games right now, 39 minutes, 36 minutes. They're also just like not playing many guys. That's, they basically right. gave minutes to like seven players the other night, a handful of minutes to to an eighth. But uh, there's just not a lot of guys seeing the floor. So there's see, it feels like the stats are just going to be concentrated on a very small number of players. Yeah, Tucker's minutes have gone up a little, but I think I bailed on him in friends and family. The numbers just really aren't there. There's no like usage rate increase with him, even when yeah. the stars sit. Um, I mean, he can have his value in the right league, but you're right. The tight rotation is very beneficial to the other stars. I mean, Harden and, and Westbrook actually both rank top six in the NBA in usage rate. And yet Covington benefited from joining that team weirdly. So uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it works there. So they have a few, yeah, they might have three players in the top 20 fantasy yeah. terms uh, from down the stretch. All right, Dalton, you teased it. All-star weekend predictions. Let's get into it. This is really what I've been waiting for. The entire pod has just been prelude to talking all-star game festivities. I need your predictions for everything for the winner of basically every contest we're going to go in the order in which uh uh these contests will be held let's start with the rising stars game give me your mvp yeah i don't think zion plays enough seems like it'll be an up and down game give me ja morant uh ah. yeah i think it'll be more guard oriented uh, go team usa so give me morant all right ja was going to be my guy um but i'm gonna i'm gonna differentiate myself from you a little bit here um lots of gu- man this is such a fun game by the way um i'm looking at the i'm looking at the world team here we've got gilgis alexander we got um oh man we got luca luca's fun no deandre ayton in this one i believe he's uh i believe he's backing out um i i will say i think a dark horse uh is kendrick nunn it's his hometown right uh went to uh went to Simeon back in the day so i think there's a possibility that uh that they try to showcase him and that he makes sure that he gets plenty of shots off but i think my selection is gonna be uh i'm gonna go with gilgis alexander um he seems well suited to this game it should be just basically all dunks in threes um it's gonna be fun i'm nearly as excited for this one as i am for the all-star game itself definitely should be fun and i'll be smiling picturing you with a miserable wife on valentine's day (laughs) yeah it's maybe maybe, like maybe it's not her dream scenario for valentine's day that's possible i don't know i suppose i'm obligated to find like a good dinner situation for us um but again the whole i like i'm super excited for this game she knows it She's tolerant. Let's move to the skills challenge. Who do you like in the skills challenge? And do you think you yourself could complete the skills challenge in under three minutes? Three minutes, I probably could. Um, Three minutes is a long time for that. But uh, yeah, I I believe it's all about what the passing. I'd probably mess up that pass. Tatum at plus 450. Say he's going to defend last year's title. Although there's some game theory in picking a big man here because I think like maybe Siakam is a clear path to the finals. But uh, give me Tatum uh, defending last year's last year's champ. Yeah, Siakam, Sabonis, Bam Adebayo in this thing. Chris Middleton, also Dinwiddie. Gilgis Alexander signed up for every damn thing they would let him do. That's fun. Tatum. And this is a case where I'm going with the I'm going with the hometown kid. I'm going with Pat Beverly. I think he cares. Marshall's own Pat Beverly. He's like he's the fastest guy in this contest. It's going to be fun. There's good names in this thing. Yeah, no, that one will be uh, will be fun. And I already ru- ruined the next one, the three point contest. Sorry, Duncan Robinson. I think he's the right height for the for the rack. Plus 350, 43.8 percent shooter from downtown. Uh, 
this year. No, no Splash Brothers. So finally letting other people have a chance. So uh, give me Duncan Robinson, as I already alluded to. This thing is star studded as well. It's uh, Bertans. It's Devontae Graham also participating in the Rising Stars game. Joe Harris, Buddy Heald, Trey Young in this thing. Lillard obviously pulling out and Zach Levine. Maybe maybe not the clearest choice, but they had to work a bull into some of this at some point and he didn't want to do the dunk contest. So Zach Levine in the three point challenge. I am not picking him. I really like Duncan Robinson here. You're right. He's got the size. He is so just like metronomically consistent too. It's it's like four to six threes absolutely every night. He's been kind of a fun fantasy own. I, however, am going to go with Joe Harris, who we know is well suited to this contest. Again, just to differentiate myself, but I think you made a good call there. Yeah, Bertan's a dark horse. I believe they have a different, a new wrinkle too this year. I'm not sure, but there's like an extra ball for longer, more points or something. I know. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. There's there's like two bonus balls, right? There's two bonus balls that are that are not your standard money balls. They're like they're like exceptionally deep threes, which maybe suits Trey Young, but. I don't think we can actually take that like, I don't know, it, do, it doesn't seem like enough of a factor to actually roll into uh, uh, projecting. So what else, what's up next? Uh, the dunk contest? All right, we got the dunk contest. We only have four competitors in this and it's going to be fun. It's Pat Connaughton. It's Dwight Howard, who, I don't know, big man in a dunk contest, maybe not great, but he's at least... Dwight is going to come up with a gimmick or two that could be fun. Derek Jones Jr., who can just absolutely fly, and Aaron Gordon, who damn near won this thing before. I'm going to take Aaron Gordon here. I'm going to say that he finally gets the uh, the W that uh, perhaps he deserved in a prior year. I'll take Derek Jones Jr. just to be different, dominating you with these all-star <laughs> picks. Uh, one thing I have to mention, though, is I, I just was reading that Jordan won back-to-back titles in 87 and 88, when the last time it was in Chicago. So that's pretty cool, man. That's symmetry. That's, that's yeah. Yeah, the, 80, happened, the so. 88 All-Star game, I believe, was the the best of the duels with Dominique Wilkins. Just, like, incredible. Two guys doing things that are utterly superhuman, mutant-level performances. Maybe the maybe the Levine-Gordon duel was better than Jordan-Neek, but, man, Jordan-Neek was really, really good. But you 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 remember that well. You just turned 30, I believe, right there in 88, right? <laughs> not, quite, not quite that. Not quite that old, but um, would have been junior in high school um oh man those were peak years for me no that's cool but yeah so yeah what what are the what do we got next in the give me your, uh, the give me your all-star, all-star game, game mvp the, yeah, the yeah. granddaddy um, of it all yeah for sure it seemed to me just briefly looking at it team lebron kind of dominated with his draft but right? um it'd be right? interesting with it's the like new a lopsided, yeah. pretty lopsided roster yeah it does appear that way. But uh, give me Russell Westbrook. I don't think he was even one of the top five draft or even on his team. So I don't know if he starts. But Westbrook just seems like a guy who tries and would care during this, you know, this type of exhibition format. Yeah, I'm going I'm going local angle again. I'm going with the hometown kid, Anthony Davis. I'm going to assume, especially since there's no bull in this game that uh, anybody's going to feed the ball to. I am assuming that Anthony Davis is going to get a ton of opportunities here and that he will care a little bit. Not going to surprise me if he scores 40. Yeah, no fair point. I, I like the hometown angle. All right, let's get into I mean, this has been a this has been a loaded show. This has been a full show. I want to get into a couple of couple of quickies for in case you missed it. And I want to start with our former Yahoo colleague, one of my absolute absolute favorite basketball writers. Kelly Dwyer wrote just a spectacular look back at the fact that there used to be an old timers game at All-Star Weekend. First of all, were you even familiar with the fact that there was an all that there was an old timers game? I did not remember this at all until you sent me this this article. No, I no, I was not. The the lead art, the lead uh, the lead image on Katie's piece is just perfect. It's Rick Barry with an oxygen mask on his face. They wore these like 
They wore the <laughs> cheapest jerseys for this thing. These like these like chic sponsored um, old timers jerseys. They're hilarious. Anyway, the whole the whole piece is really good, and it includes a uh, it includes a link to some video, fairly long video of Pete Maravich in this thing. And Pete Maravich, man, what a like, nice. First of all, a guy whose game would have just seamlessly um, translated to today's NBA. It's pretty, pretty fun. And the game was actually taken relatively seriously. Like some of these games were close. They actually, at least by the second half of these things, they were kind of moving up and down the floor. So um, it's just a good look back. Oh, kid in basketball camp watching Pistol Pete videos like black and white. I remember that oh, yeah. vividly, man. Those were the, the ball handling skills he would do between the legs were just sick. It's not ridiculous. Yeah, so that's super fun. And then one other thing I want to throw out there, you'd, you'd have to be an athletic subscriber, I believe, to read it. But Scott Powers, writing a uh, great local writer, has covered a number of things around Chicago. He did a fantastic oral history of the one season that Kevin Garnett spent. Like Kevin Garnett was, I think, grew up in South Carolina and then um, transferred to Farragut Academy in Chicago and played like a fi- his final high school season in the Chicago public league. And it's just this great oral history. He gets, he gets everybody that you would need to get. He got the necessary coaches, um, competitors. He got obviously plenty of time with KG who has vivid memories of like the, the Chicago, like public league championship game. Really cool. And the other thing he got here, like there's no reason that people would be familiar with this Farragut team, but I, I can recall taking my dad to see him play a couple times and they were just, they were just a show. They were like, this happened in those years when, when Jordan was away from the game. And so like, they were just not rock stars at the bulls level. Right. But they were, they, they were like a thing that you had to go see. And you, you can hardly explain this to people now, but Kevin Garnett wasn't even the primary reason that you went to see that team. They had a kid named Ronnie Fields who is just as athletic as anyone I have ever witnessed live and in person. If anybody, if anybody ever had a 50 inch vertical, 52, like if you told me that Ronnie Fields had a 54 inch vertical when he was 18 years old, I'd, I'd buy it. In my memory, he was, he was looking down into the rim, like all the time. Ronnie Fields was incredible. Would do contest quality dunks in game all of the time. Just a great player. Had a uh, well, what I, happened to him? What yeah, I believe he, I believe he had a car, like a pretty significant car accident. May have broken his neck. He recovered and he played a whole bunch of years, kicking around both North American leagues and overseas leagues, but never quite got back to the same level of athleticism. And his game was, you know, he wasn't he wasn't the most consistent shooter that you'd ever see. But what a what a crazy athlete when he was at his peak. And just a bit of a sad story, but he at least bounced back to have some level of pro career. But man, Ronnie Fields was was something. They also had a kid on, on that team, Michael Wright, who went on to have a really good collegiate career at Arizona. So super fun team, super, super fun look back. Yeah, no, that must have been crazy seeing the KG at that stage. Another uh, Speaking of the athletic, there's another good article this week about the Kings franchise. It looks like Vlade Divac is not long there after, I mean, just the whole Don Six situation. Marvin Bagley, man, looks like he's going to play just 13 games his sophomore year. What a disaster that midfoot sprain that he apparently, I mean, who knows the actual diagnosis. Apparently he, they even played him a game after he aggravated it. So just a nightmare situation in Sacramento and a good column about that. And then finally, one thing I'd mention is Forbes came out with their annual franchise value list. Knicks number one, Lakers two, Warriors three, Bulls four, Celtics five. And one takeaway is to, is they are saying, do not worry about the 
the TV ratings being down this season, small sample, and in general, basketball is in a good spot. But yeah, I thought it was especially noteworthy with the Warriors and Bulls being a third and fourth. And how about them Knicks still landing in the number one spot? Knicks, Knicks haven't been a good team like in living memory, and they are at the top of that. Like, imagine if the Knicks were a 60-win team. Imagine if the Knicks were like a 45-win team. What what might happen to their value? And, and a big gap between first and your fourth to a, more than a billion dollars. Just crazy. Imagine if they just had any competency running that franchise. Hey, is my friends and family team on there? I feel like it should be worth like a billion, <laughs> billion five, something yeah. like that. I'm you, hot. You, you did. You took me down recently. Uh, you got You got to admit you did. Yeah, I feel like I feel like that, that should have added another billion to it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. That's going to do it for this week, kids. Enjoy the All-Star break, everyone. God knows I will. I'm so looking forward to this. Please, people, subscribe. Uh, Write us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend or two or three about the show. You can always ask us questions. Follow us on Twitter, at Yahoo Fantasy, at Dalton Del Don, at Andy Barron's. That is going to do it for this week. We are out.